There is none like you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Somebody give him praise because he's everlasting. He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Hallelujah. You know what that means? That means he'll outlast your trouble. He'll outlast the devil. He'll outlast man. He'll outlast every circumstance. He'll outlast every foul thing the devil can bring your way. He is everlasting. He is everlasting. And you know what else it means? That means that I am going to outlast anything that the devil brings my way. For I have the everlasting one on the inside of me. Somebody praise him. Say, I'm going to outlast you, devil. I'm going to outlast this trial. I'm going to outlast my circumstances. I'm going to outlast my foes. I'm going to outlast my problems. I'm going to outlast everything that you do because I am going to live to see the victory in my family, in my kids, in my finances, in my body. Come on, in every situation around me because my God gives me the victory through Jesus. Through Jesus. He's everlasting. Somebody say, He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's time to lift up the feeble hands that hang down. It's time to get your hands up to heaven like lightning rod receptors. It's time to look at your God. Hallelujah. Did you know right now that the Lord wants you to understand as bad as the circumstances are right now in Israel and in the world, there's coming a time when the heavens are going to roll away and behold a white horse and he that sets upon him is called faithful and true and in righteousness he does judge and make war. He has a name written that no man knows and his name is called the Word of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody get praise for the Word this morning. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Oh, his blood is speaking on our behalf today. The blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of Abel. His grace, his goodness, his love, his kindness. Hallelujah. Turn around and get somebody by the hand and say, God is for you, not against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mm-hmm. Victory! Victory! <laughs> Victory! Woo, come on up here, Sean. Praise God. Give him one more good shout while Sean comes to receive the tithe and the offering this morning. Oh, I can't hear you. Amen. As, he, as we get our tithes and our offering out, can we shout hallelujah, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. He's awesome. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to give, Father. We're believing, God, that this will be for the upbuilding of your kingdom. Father, we bless every heart that is here in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, I feel something. <laughs> Somebody said, what does God feel like? Good. <laughs> Amen. Ooh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, you think about what it was like yesterday for those Israelis to get up and be greeted with missiles. I was listening to one of the young ladies' testimonies, and she was on her way to the beach, going to spend the day at the beach, and her plans got rudely interrupted. There was another young lady that just got out of her house and her child and fled and left everything behind just to get out of there. They literally drug late women out into the streets and their children and murdered them. There's, there's reels and footage of things you'll never see on TV. What a horrendous act of terrorism and barbarism. You know, to hear them to say with their own mouth, the Israelis, you know, this is a holocaust. This is our 9-11. I would not want to be the enemy. Amen. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. Let's stand up and we're going to take a few moments to pray again for Israel. See, we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost for just for a few moments. Why are you going to pray in the Spirit? Because when I don't know how to pray, he does. He knows where these evil, wicked leaders are. He knows how, how to remove them surgically. He knows how to get the armies through, and he knows how to secure uh, the Gaza Strip. He knows how to secure that war. He knows how to put down every Hamas person, every Hezbollah person, every one of these evil, wicked people that have done this. So, Father, right now, we speak confusion and fear upon the enemy. We speak peace, peace to Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you for your covering over them. We thank you, Father God, for their weaponry, their abilities. But God, you are the iron dome over them. You are the protection of Israel. You are their keeper, oh God. Show your glory. Get glory for your name. Get honor for your great name. Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whew, glory to God. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter number 14.
Exodus 14, verses 1 through 4, and then verses, I think it's 15 and 16. heard the Lord speak this in my spirit I've actually ministered this before but the Lord wants me to speak this word today and I'm going to read this morning from the message translation you put the King James up we want to read it first okay Okay, and the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, are we stuck? <laughs> Speaking to the children of Israel, that they turn, listen to what God's telling them, that you turn and encamp before Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-Zephon before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speaking to the children of Israel that they go forward. Everybody say, go forward. Verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod, right here, and stretch forth thine hand over the sea and divide it. Did you hear what he said? He didn't say, I was. He said, you do it. You do it. Lift up thy rod. Lift up thy rod. You remember when he lifted it up? Pharaoh's palace, and he cast it. That snake ate up the Egyptian sorcerer's snakes. Amen. Brought the plagues. Somebody say, amen. Amen. What is in your hand? Okay. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. Look at your neighbor and say, you have the ability to dig the enemy's grave through your prayer and your obedience. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground. Man, I'm going to tell you something. The bottom of that Red Sea hadn't seen dry ground since creation. Shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Father, we ask today for your anointing, for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Speak every word, Lord, that you'd have to come for. Let it come forth accurately, boldly as you'd have it to come. Father, we pray and ask you today in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear what Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Work in our midst. Touch us, God. Let it be your touch, not man's. Let your revelation come. Open 
the eyes of your people. Unstop the ears of your people. Let the veil be removed from their heart that they grow not dull or blind or deaf. Now, Father, let faith rise. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to read this to you from the message translation. It says it a little bit different. God spake unto Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn around and make camp at Pi-Hairoth between Migdal and the sea. Camp on the shore of the sea opposite Beelzephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost, they're confused, and the wilderness has closed in on them. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn again and he'll chase after them and I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display. Did you hear that? I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display. All right? Verse 15. And God said to Moses, Why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites. Order them to get moving. Look at somebody and say, If you don't get moving, you get ran over. Hold your staff high. Hold your staff high. Hold your staff up. Come on. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. That can be masses of people. Split the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Wow. Look at somebody say, and they did it. And they did it. And they did it. Just a little bit of history. Exodus is that story about moving forward. It's about moving forward. We read it many times. We even hear it preached, but we need to put ourselves in location. How many times in life does it seem like you get up against the wall and it won't move or you are surrounded by circumstances or situations that seem to be immovable, impassable, you just can't get around. So this is what he's talking about here. It means a moving forward. It means a departure. Say this with me. Say, I've done had enough of where I'm at. I am departing from this. I am moving forward in the name of Jesus. See, I believe. Yeah, that's a good place to praise him right there. See, I believe that there's a number of us present this morning and those watching by streaming today that, that have had that, that, that need to move forward. They need a breaking out, a departure. Not from the faith, but to the faith. 
And so when you read this story, you begin to understand. Say, now, Exodus means a conclusion to something. Something is ending. When one chapter closes, a new door opens. There's a new chapter that is getting ready to be written. So how many today need an exodus? How many need an exodus? An exodus. Exodus means the end of an aggravated issue. I'm sick and tired of it. I, I am ready to put an end to it. Now let's back up just a little bit before we get too excited. God said, stretch forth that rod. You split the sea. You divide it. Is that what he said? Wow. You do this because of what I put in your hand. Amen. Look at somebody say, you got more than you think you do. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm putting it in God's hands. And God is saying, no. You put your hand with my hand. Don't just ask me to do it. Get out there and use my name and use my word and split this thing. Now that's a good place to praise it. You see, the main theme of Israel is marching out of Egypt in power and riches and headed toward the promised land. Amen. That's what it's all about. God's miraculous gave them, his children, Israel, a passageway, a gateway out. Look at somebody say, I'm never trapped. Say, I'm never trapped. Oh my God, how many times have you heard people say, I'm trapped? Man, I feel so trapped. I feel so trapped. I'm just trapped in this. I'm trapped. No, you're not. Jesus is the way. You, you, you're not looking for Jesus. Jesus is the way. You may not like where he's going to lead you to, but nonetheless, or what he might be saying to you, but he's going to say, I'm the way. My words already said it. Somebody say the word, the word. And so whatever he did for Israel, he'll do for us. Mm. We're the apple of his eye. Say, that's exactly what I am. I am the apple of his eye. And God will provide a way for me where there is no way. Amen. Amen. That's not just a little cute cliche. That's a truth. That's a truth. God always keeps his word. Intimately involved with his people watching over his word to perform it. And so when you begin to read this story, there's, there's a truth in it that God wants us to grasp hold of when he tells his people to go forward. And so listen, we all know the story. 
how that they're in Egyptian bondage. God comes and there's the ten plagues that are sent and then the death of the firstborn and then there's a cry that goes out from Egypt and God and, and the people of Egypt are crying, you know, on behalf of all their dead children and all the things that have happened because of the death angel. But we remember that God has his people in Goshen. Everybody say Goshen. When there's a plague in Egypt, there's not a plague in Goshen. When there's darkness in Egypt, there is no darkness in Goshen. When there's sickness in Egypt, there is no sickness in Goshen because, Go because Egypt is a type of sin. It's a type of the world. But Goshen is a type of the church. It's a type of God's covenant to us. It is a type of his never-failing word. Somebody say amen. See, it doesn't matter what you go through in life. God already has the answer for it. You just have to be in ready to endure whatever the affliction may be that comes against you. That's why David was able to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He knew his history. He knew Israel's history, but he was able to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, the encounters with evil, the adversaries that rise up against you, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He delivers us out of every single thing. And so we know that Pharaoh gives the word, get out of here. You go worship your God. You get, I don't even want to see your face again. And so Israel, the scripture says that they had borrowed from, their, from the Egyptians and they, they had been there for 400 years. I believe that God gave them interest on what they got. The Bible said in Psalm 78 and Psalm 106 that they left with silver and gold. When they came out of Egypt, they came with its wealth. They came with animals. They came with carts. And the Bible said there was not a sick one or a feeble one among them. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, why do you think that there was not a sick one or a feeble one among them? Because they obeyed God's word that when he spoke to them, kill a lamb for a house, go inside your house, and you take that lamb and you shed its blood and you mark the lintel on the top and on the sides and you go in and you eat all of it. Because there was something transformative that took place inside their houses that night, I believe. I believe, oh, feeble grandpa and grandma and any son or daughter or, or relative that had an ailment or a sickness in their body, I believe that the moment that they got inside that house and obeyed the Lord and that night when they had placed that blood upon the lintel and the post of their houses, I believe that when they woke up the next morning, you said, you know something? You said, Sarah, I don't feel that pain in my knees anymore. I don't feel that catch in my back. Matter of fact, look at little Johnny. He's not having to have a cane anymore. He's not having to any, have anybody help him. Look, look, they're not even having to carry our cousin on the stretcher anymore. Something supernatural happened while they were locked inside and ate that Passover lamb. Somebody say amen. And the blood shall be a token for you upon the house that you dwell. And when God, when God takes us out and when that death angel comes through the land and when he sees the blood applied to our life, death cannot come in. Somebody say amen. And so he's brought them out into the wilderness. And I like this because I'm going to go back and read this again. I, I, I just, you know, I, I, love, I love reading this story. Listen to what he says. <laughs> Tell the Israelites to turn around and make their camp at Pahiroth between Migdal and the sea camp on the shore and of the sea opposite Belzephon. Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are lost, they're confused, and the wilderness has closed them in. Now you need to go back and read the story again. God gave them that instruction 
for a reason. I want your adversary to think you're confused. I want him to think that you're trapped. And I want him to believe that you are fear struck. Because when I get through with him, he's the one that's going to be confused and fear struck and hemmed in. Mm. Oh, you, you need to get the track with me. Don't try to figure it out in your head. Just listen with your heart. Buy the CD. And so they go out, Israel does. And they find themselves, they feel like that they're entrapped. Matter of fact, they begin to argue and murmur and complain. <laughs> Wasn't there enough cemeteries in Egypt? We could have been buried there. Why do you want to bring us out here to bury us on the seashores? Why do you want us to come out here and all of us fall dead because of Pharaoh who's coming after us? And he's, he's not coming alone. He's coming with all of his horses. He's coming with all of his chariots. He's bringing his best archers and he's bringing his best soldiers and he's planning on maiming us, killing us, and taking us back to be his slaves again. And this time, we're not going to just have making bricks. There's no telling what Pharaoh is going to do to us which is the old adage that says the devil tells you that, you know, well, if you'll slack off prayer or you don't need to go to revival or you don't need to tell anybody what God has done for you because if you do, you'll stir up something. Say, I'm going to stir up something. I'm going to stir up something. And so here they are, and they're encamped exactly where God said for them to be. Somebody says, God always knows what he's doing. <laughs> and so they're there. Well, how many? One, one, one and a half million, two million Israelites present there, encamped in this place, and they're all in fear and torment because Pharaoh and his army and his chariots are coming after them to enslave them again. And I like this because I want to read this. See, I, I, I need to read because I don't want to miss anything. Somebody said, I don't want to miss nothing. So listen to what he says. Let me find it. In Exodus chapter number uh, 14, verse number 19. No, 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 I want to back up further than that. Okay, yes. Thank you, Lord. I'll just read verse 17 down. Meanwhile, I'm going to make sure the Egyptians keep up their stubborn chase. I'm going to use Pharaoh and his entire army, his chariots and his horsemen to put my glory on display so that the Egyptians will realize that I'm God. The angel of the Lord that had been leading the camp of Israel now shifted and got behind them. And the pillar of cloud that had been in front of them also shifted to the rear. The cloud was now between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and the cloud enshrouded one camp in darkness. And guess who that was? The enemy. Dark, so dark they couldn't see anything. How would you like to be riding on a chariot full speed and horse full speed and then running full speed and all of a sudden it just everything blacked out? And you say, my God, man, I can't even see my hand. God knows how to make it dark. Listen. And he flooded the other camp with light. Isn't this amazing? This is so miraculous. It was just like drawing a curtain. Making a curtain. 
darkness, light. If you were an Egyptian, I feel sorry for you. If you were a soldier, I feel sorry for you. If you belong to Pharaoh, I feel sorry for you. But if you belong to God, light. Somebody say light. Light. Oh, my God. The two camps didn't come near each other all that night. There was not one Egyptian that stumbled across the line in the light. Listen, it was not one is Israeli that stumbled across the line in the darkness. And the angel of God that had been leading the camp of Israel now shifted and got behind them. And the pillar of cloud that had been in front also shifted to the rear. The cloud was now between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. The cloud enshrouded one camp in darkness, flooded the other with light, and the two camps didn't come near each other all the night. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and God said, somebody said God said, Moses, stretch forth your hand. I like this. What did our scripture say? Take your staff, take your rod, and split it. Take your rod, take your staff, and split it. And so Moses went out and with his hand stretched over the sea and God with a terrific east wind all night long made the sea go back. He made the sea ground. <laughs> he made the dry ground. He made the sea dry ground. Let me get it right. He made the sea dry ground. The sea waters split. I like that. Oh my God. Get this. They are encamped on that seashore. God has been there with them. The angel of the Lord, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of a cloud by day, leading them. They begin to murmur and complain about what is the, all the activity of the adversary that's going on. And Moses, I don't see how he kept from having an ulcer. Dealing with a bunch of, I'm not even saying it. I don't want to get myself in trouble. Wasn't there enough cemeteries back in Egypt? Can you imagine that? And Moses says, what am I going to do? And God said, take that rod and go out and split the sea. That's pretty good. Take the rod, go out and split the sea. Take the rod, take the word, take that Holy Ghost anointing that's on the inside of you and go split the sea. And as I said, that can tell us it can be a twofold thing that we use in Scripture, and I want to touch on both sides of that. I know that he was talking about the, the Red Sea, the actual waters that were there, but they're indicative of, of us as troubles and peoples, masses of people. 
Moses, what am I going to do? He said, you stretch forth that rod and you split the sea. You do it. Why are you crying to me? Uh-oh. Moses, why are you crying to me? Now, I know that they can hear these Egyptians back there screaming and yelling, I can't see. <laughs> George, where are you at, man? <laughs> oh, good great, man, a horse just stepped on my foot. Hey, you ran over my foot with a chariot. They can't even see where they're at. Now, I want you to think, man, of this situation because I, I want to I get right here before I need to go what the Lord wants me to touch on. God said, you stretch forth your hand. Why are you crying to me? And the next line is this. Tell your people to move forward. Tell them to quit the mully grubs. Quit complaining. You rally them together and you order them. Move forward. Because Moses has stood there, think about this. You, when you engage faith and God says, okay, you stretch forth your rod and you split that sea. And then all of a sudden this tremendous east wind comes and the waters begin to divide. Insomuch that the Bible said that there was dry ground. Dry ground. I have to get this picture in my mind that those Israelites were so stunned at the miracle that they didn't trust the waters. I ain't going in there. <laughs> that is salt water. I mean, I see those fish swimming on that side. I see those fish swimming on that side. I see those rocks and broken ships and, and embattlements in the bottom of this Red Sea, but I'm not going in there. Look at somebody say, to get what you've never had. Sometimes you've got to go where you've never been in the spirit. Come on. And Moses has been there and he spent the Red Sea and he said, God, what am I going to do? Why are you crying to me? Why are you asking me? You're standing there watching this miracle unfold right before your eyes and this is what I want you to order them. Get moving. Go forward. Quit looking at me. Quit looking at the sea and go in it. Because that's your baptism of faith right there. get this now. This is, this is what you got to get. The original Hebrew comes from the word, I think it's Neosh, and it says, pull up your tent pegs. That's what the word go forward means. Pull up your tent pegs and go. Man, is that a word for the church today? Because we can't survive without hearing our last prophet what he said last night or yesterday or last week. I've heard enough prophecies and sometimes they contradict themselves. And believe me, I believe in prophecy as much as anybody else and I appreciate the office of the prophets. But I want to say this, there needs to be a clear word from God like, let's go! Yeah. Let's move out, church! 
You ain't got to prophesy to me, take the city or cast out the devil or go in and start winning people to Jesus or preach the gospel. God has already said, go get them. They belong to you. They are yours. So what I have to do in all reality is I have to begin to pull my tent pegs up, my tent peg of comfortability. I'm too comfortable where I'm at. I like it inside my house. I like just going to church and singing a few songs on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I like, you know, just being able to talk to my brother or my sister, but don't ask me to get on the battle line. Come on, I got to get hid somewhere. Moses is there with his rod stuck out. They're beholding the miracle that's in front of them. And what is God saying? Look, I will take you to the other side. You don't have to worry about it. If I remember a man said that a few thousand years later by the name of Jesus when he said, let's go to the other side. And I'm gonna tell you, the storms can't stop you. Devils can't stop you. People cannot stop you. There's nothing that can stop you when you step out. Somebody say, how do I go? Split the way before you. Pray and believe God that he's going to carry you right through the middle of the storm, that he's going to take you right through the middle of your circumstances. But I can see it. That's all right. But faith is not seeing. It's trusting that the same waters that brought deliverance to the people of God was about to take out their adversary. It wasn't easy for them to have that east wind come in and those waters be driven back and for them to look at and say, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, let's go. Because they had fear that the waters would return upon them and destroy them. They really did believe that God would do that to them. Listen to their murmuring. Some of us are the same way. We don't trust God. I said, we don't trust. If I do that, God, I won't get what I want. I won't be able to do what I want to do. Oh, God, oh, God, if I I do that, Lord, I'm not going to be able to do this. God said, do what I say, and everything else will fall in place. But if you do what you want and what you say, then you're going to get the miserable life that you asked for because you think that your happiness can exist and what you're thinking in your head. But I've got it. I've got it, it says God. He said, your peace and your excitement and your joy and your peace is in my word that I give to you. Listen, he said, you pull up the pent tag. They, they had their tent set up everywhere. They had to break camp. They had to look at their sons and daughters, their, their servants and all their family relatives, and they said, look, you see that seed right there? We've never been through anything like it before. We don't know what it's going to be like. Yes, it's a pretty good ways across there, but I know one thing. It's the only way out. Somebody say it's the only way out. It's the only way out, trusting God. Trusting God. Because one of the things that was happening is they were getting ready to be baptized in a cleansing and a purifying, that as they went through that water, that everything that they had believed prior to that time was gonna be washed away from their life. Come on now, somebody. What do you mean? I'm learning how to trust God with every step that I take, walking in that dry sand with, with the towering waters on both sides of me, knowing that only the wind of the Spirit is what's keeping it back. Can I tell you right now that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper and every mouth that rises against us in judgment shall we condemn. I want to let the waters know you can't come in on me because my God is is making a way and I said be split in the name of Jesus. 
The only way that I can be drowned is if I draw back. God wanted them to have some skin in the game. Oh man, there's a tremendous promise in there. Stand still. You don't need to fight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For your enemy that you see today, those Egyptians and that Pharaoh, you will never see them again. But you're going to have to walk through that sea and you're going to have to trust me and put some faith in what I'm telling you because you understand one thing. I didn't bring you here and give you light and put him in darkness and bring that enemy out here for let, to let him overtake you. I didn't work those 10, 10 miracles before you ever came to this place for you to be destroyed. I am your God. And I'm doing this for one reason, that my glory, that my glory, that my glory can be seen. Mm-hmm. My glory. Somebody say, I'm the glory of God. Listen, listen. You got to pull up the tent peg of being comfortable. Prayer and fasting is not comfortable. Being pressed beyond measure is not comfortable. Having to fight when you don't feel like it is not comfortable. Having to apply yourself when your flesh is just wanting to quit and give up because of the pressure and the stresses of life. You got to get rid of that. Pull up the tent peg and throw it away from you. You got to be eager to cross to the other side. You got to say, if God's making a way, I'm going his way. Listen, I've got to pull up the tent peg of unbelief and doubts and fears. And I've got to quit saying what everybody else says and I've got to start saying what God said. If my neighbor's telling me, say, we'll never make it to the other side, those waters will come crashing down on us. I want to say, look, God sent Moses out of the desert. He was the, he was a prince in Egypt, but God took him out in the middle of nowhere, appeared to him on the backside of a desert in a burning bush. He sent him to be our leader and everything he said right now has come to pass. Ah, you come too late to tell me right now that God is not at work through this man of God and you come too late to tell me that he's not wanting to carry us to a promised land. He promised my father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's not a covenant breaker. He's a covenant keeper and he's gonna take us to the other side. Shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. some translations actually have that in it tell them to shut up amen even carries over to the New Testament Zechariah couldn't talk when God gave him John the Baptist could he now listen you got to pull up the tent pegs the things that have you fastened down in faith man there's a there's millions of those things you got to pull up the tent peg you got to pull up the tent peg of pride. You have to pull up the tent peg of crucifying the flesh. You got to pull up all that stuff. You got to uproot it because there's lots of things in our life that are roots that are down in the ground. Offense, unforgiveness, come on, bitterness, unkindness. There's all kinds of works of the flesh that are at work on the inside of us. That's what causes this deadly member of our body to get released, bringing hell into our lives. 
And God said, if you're going to be my nation and if you're going to go to that other side, he said, you got to shut up what you're saying and you got to get in alignment with what that rod says. you got to speak what the rod says. you got to say, I'm going in the name of Jesus and I'm going victoriously. Pull up your tent peg. Well, I like it in my tent. I like it in my tent. <laughs> Ain't nothing good about your tent. It's going to rot. It's going to leak. Amen. It's not going to be protected by God. Because God can only bless what he says. And he's telling them, go forward. Go forward. Rise up. Pull up your tent peg. I have to pull up the tent pegs of doubt and unbelief. I have to pull up the tent pegs of the things that want to hold me. Insecurity. Rejection. I've never been this way before. That's why God told him. He said, look, you haven't been this way before. You have no idea what to expect. I'm taking you to a land that flows of milk and honey, but it also has giants in it. You're going to be outnumbered by alien armies. You're going to have forces to come against you that the odds are going to be totally against you. He said, but I am your God. And my glory is going to be seen upon you. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I love this. Moses is splitting the sea. I can see that old long beard flowing now. Amen. Charlton Heston. <laughs> Standing out there with that rod. His hair and beard are flowing in the wind. The wind is blowing. The wind is blowing. And Moses is splitting the sea, just like God said. See, you think it's just you, just little old you. But the moment you take hold of what God tells you to take hold of, he wraps his mighty hands around your hands. Amen. You become co-laborers together. It's a joint effort between you and God. It is a prophetic moment that's coming into play here as you obey the voice of God because nobody's going to be able to tell this story like you because it's your story. Let me tell you about the time God healed me. Let me tell you about the time he came through financially. Let me tell you about the time that he saved my kid. Let me tell you about the time that he turned it around. Let me tell you how God, when everybody else, when everybody else was pointing their fingers and saying this and that, how that God stepped in and changed things. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I stood on the word and I refused to be moved and I said, you will part asunder in the name of Jesus. The enemy has no choice. And so they're going through this Red Sea. They're going through it on dry ground. They pulled up their tent pegs. They're going through on dry ground. And when they're traveling through this, I don't know if I'd have been one of them, I said, well, shoot, I'm getting my lunch while I'm in here. <laughs> well, what kind of fish you want? <laughs> ah, we don't want that one. How about this one? Nah. Ah, there's one right there. Let's get that one. <laughs> And so they're traveling through, and I love this. The moment that the last Israelite's foot 
came up out of that Red Sea was the exact moment that the last foot of an Egyptian soldier went into the depth he couldn't return out of. Because God's word never fails. He said, the enemy that has pursued you and that you have seen today, you will never see again. That means Pharaoh, that means his army. And the Bible said that the moment that they got out and the last foot of that Israeli came up out of that water, that God released all those tons of water back down upon the Egyptians and drowned them all. Praise God. Somebody said that sounds crazy. No, I'm going to tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Isaiah chapter number 59 to me. It said, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, I'll lift up a standard against him. God comes as a flood of waters upon our adversary. He's always going to crush our enemy. Mm-hmm. Only he can do that. But how many tent pegs have you got driven down today that are keeping you from moving forward? How many things have you relaxed your grip on that God didn't tell you to relax your grip on? How many good things in your life have you discarded that Holy Ghost never told you to discard those things? Because you devalued them and God never devalued them and God said you need that and you didn't have enough wisdom about yourself to look in your toolbox and say, I need to keep this in my toolbox because I don't know whether I'm gonna need this in my future or not. Let me tell you that if you're in the middle of your fiery trial and something works to get you out of that, you need to take that and you need to tuck it away in your spiritual toolbox and say, I may need that again on another day in my future and I'm going to have to be able to take it out and say, if it worked then, it works now because my God never changes. Somebody say amen. Because he got glory for his name the first time. He'll get glory for his name the next time. Come on. That's what I'm telling you. If my praise brings me breakthrough and I believe that it binds kings and nobles of chains and fetters of iron when I praise him and worship him, I'm never gonna sit back and be religious or have something in my heart that keeps me from coming down front. I'm gonna lift my hands as high as I can get them and I'm gonna hold my rod out and I'm gonna say, charge in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. You cannot let go. If you let go of something, it's going to be harder to get back. I've been there, done that. Once you relax your grip on something and you let it slide by you, you're going to have to fight demons and devils to get that back out of the hand of your adversary. I'm telling you the truth today. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you right now, if you hold fast to that which you have, hallelujah, and don't let it go and keep it, keep it, keep that holy thing that God's committed to you against that day. Hold fast to what you have in Jesus. Don't let it go. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to worship him because if I do, my waters have to part. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. It's like praying. Praying's not fun. Somebody say, enjoyed it. I enjoy it. Well, I do, but most of mine is warfare. What do you mean? That means I don't have the luxury to say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. I'm not floating down the river in ease. 
because I know there's a Leviathan out there that's about to jump up. Hmm? Yeah. Your prayer life right now should exceed any prayer life you had in the past. I'm just telling you the truth. It's like, you know, the old adage that they tell you, well, put that back for a rainy day. That's the way prayer is. You never know when your rainy day is coming, but it'll come. And so God says, look, you look in that toolbox and you get that thing out that you used on, on that rainy day and you hold that thing out and you split that thing down the middle. You take authority over it in Jesus' name. Begin to take your stand. You see, the toiling and the laboring, you got to remember when we look at those Israelites, they had lived hard lives. They had been slaves. There's nothing good about being a slave. They had been involved in that. Their order of bricks had been increased. They had watched their relatives die young. But the tent pegs of fear and insecurity and rejection were so deep in their life that they were willing to complain and murmur because they thought that it was going to be worse than what they had previously experienced because that was their cyclical life. That's the way we measure things. And so this is why God said, I'm getting ready to show you who I am. You've been hanging out here in Egypt for 400 years. You've been under your taskmaster, Pharaoh. Started out good and went south. You are in a place right now that you are absolutely miserable. He said, but I'm going to show you that that's not me. And so he shows up supernaturally through Moses does these things. But see, the key is understanding when he says that I might get glory. That I might get glory. Put that up on the screen, that I might get glory. That I might get glory. See, God gets glory every time that we obey him. that we step out and stretch the rod. He gets glory. Remember Isaiah 60? He said, the, he said that but arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is for the last days. This is for you and for me that I might get glory from my name. That is not that scripture. <laughs> I am smarter than that, <laughs> that I might get glory. I'm just messing with you. And so no matter where you're at, this is God's word. Pull up your tent pegs. 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 Pull them up. I'm pulling up rejection. I'm pulling up insecurity. I'm pulling up fear. I'm pulling up unbelief. 
I'm pulling up peer pressure. I'm pulling up all that religious garbage. I'm pulling all of that stuff up that's been ingrained and rooted in my life. I'm pulling it up and I'm casting it away in Jesus' name. Because God wanted to show them. He said, look, guys, he said, I can't. I said, I I don't only want to bring you out of Egyptian bondage. I want to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Flowing. Everybody say flowing with milk and honey. That means every time that you see something something uh, of honey and milk go by, that there's another blessing right behind it because it's flowing, come on, flowing with milk and honey. God said when you get in the life of faith, it never ends. He said because of every trial and test, I want to get glory for my great name. And I promise you that if you will follow me and if you will split the seas of that word of faith that's in your heart, speak to it. Speak to it. I'm not going to be held captive by you. I'm not going to be held back by you. I'm not going to be held down by you. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. If somebody doesn't believe that God's big enough to work your miracle, who cares? You're not believing them. You're believing him. If you believe in God for a supernatural touch and healing in your body, who cares whether somebody says, well, if I was you, I'd do this. I don't care. I'm believing him for my healing and my touch, not you. If I need a financial breakthrough and a financial miracle and I'm sowing seed and giving and somebody says, you better hang on to that for a rainy day, I want to look at them and say, if my seed ain't meeting my need, then I need to turn it into a seed that I give to God and that he gives it back super abundantly into my life. I'm going to stretch out my rod and I'm going to watch things part. I'm going to split that thing wide open in Jesus' name. Remember, it was the Red Sea that Moses split. It was not a branch. It was not a creek. It was not a river. It was the sea. Somebody say, the sea, the sea, the sea. It's that thing that you can't cross it. It's that thing that you just, you, you know that you're trapped. Your adversary's coming after you. And the only way through it is for me to say exactly what God said, which brings me to Mark chapter number 11. If I say to the mountain, be thou cast into the sea and don't, don't doubt in my heart, but believe what I say will come to pass, I am going to have what I say in Jesus' name. Come on. Listen, do you know things would come to pass a lot quicker if you didn't have 25 other saints telling people how dumb you were? Get off my wagon. Get out of my tent. Matter of fact, this tent ain't gonna be standing. I'm yanking up my tent pegs right now. You go get in your old tent in unbelief and sickness and doubt and poverty and live there. But I am going forward in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm stretching out my rod and the sea's got to part. That's what we need. Victory's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And so what did he do? Lord, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Why are you asking me? Why? Because it is written. Somebody say it's written. Already said. Why did he do that? Because God 
had already told Moses before, and he is gracious enough to repeat himself. Amen? And he simply tells him, Moses, I told you I was getting ready to capture Pharaoh. I brought him out here to this particular place to do exactly that. I'm getting ready to close. Let's stand together. Jennifer, come on up. So what did he say? Let's see if I can read this exactly. Let's see if I can find it. I brought him out here, verse number three, so that Pharaoh would think that you were lost. Did you know right now that the devil, I believe, is overplaying his hand in our nation? Listen. Because the stuff that's happened in our world, are you listening? How many people think that they are lost right now? Absolutely lost because of politics. Don't put your faith in politics. Secondly, what does he say? What does he say? Because he thinks you're confused and the wilderness has closed in on you. Lost, confused, and closed in. And I believe by and large, that's where the American church is. That's what the enemy thinks. I want the devil to know I'm not lost. I am not confused. I said I'm not lost. I am not confused. And I'm not hemmed in in the wilderness either. What do you mean? Number one, I've been found by Jesus. Secondly, I'm not confused about the times in which we live, and this is the clarity. My God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Thirdly, the wilderness is a place of testing and trial a place of proving. And I'm saying, well, devil, I just want you to understand that I passed the test. What do you mean? That means that I've been tested, I've been proven, I'm not going to give in, not looking to give in, but I have been strengthened by the trial and the fire that I've walked through and it's burned off everything and out everything that could have hindered me or stopped me. I have the victory and I'm going forward in Jesus' name. I have the victory. And stretch out that rod and part the water. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pull up your tent peg. So right now, anybody that you see that has a negative connotation or something negative coming out of their mouth, look at them and say, pull up your tent peg. Pull up your tent peg. They're going to say, what? I say, pull up your tent peg. Pull up your tent peg. 
They say, what do, what do you mean pull up my tent? And then you can tell them. Somebody say this to They say, I am going to tell the next person that says something negative to me, pull up your tent peg. Pull it up and go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you know, take that and practice it and remember what God said. You've got to pull up your tent peg to move forward. The tent peg means, you know, there's one scripture that says, strengthen your cords, drive down your stakes. But he's talking about the move of God being so tremendous and powerful that's coming. On the other hand, he's telling you, don't you camp out in fear and doubt and unbelief and insecurity and rejection. Don't you camp out and all this garbage that the enemy would have you to camp out with. You pull those tent pegs up and you go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray today, God, for your people. Lord Jesus, you said for us to go forward. Let's go to the other side. The other side. And Lord, I just thank you right now. If a storm comes, if the, if the wind is howling, if, it's, if the waves are breaking, it's because there's a, there is a gathering demoniac on the other side that needs to be set free. And Lord, you're just preparing our hearts that through that wilderness test and through that storm that our faith will be ready to cast that devil out in Jesus' name. Father, that no matter what comes or goes in this hour right now that we're living in, no matter what the politicians say, no matter what the economy says, no matter what any person says, my faith and my trust is in you because you are my Father and you promise to supply and provide my every need. I am healed by your stripes. I am blessed by your hand. You are my Father and my God and I thank you right now that I will always triumph through the Son of the living God in Jesus. Jesus' name. Victory is mine. Hallelujah. Give him praise right now. You walking out one door just to walk into another. That's all it is. Praise God. I'm going to have exactly what the Lord planned for me. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, they have chariots, chariot wheels, all in the bottom of the Red Sea. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you'll look close, my footprint will be there. Somebody said, well, that was thousands of years ago. No, I'm talking about in the spirit. Amen. Still walking. Somebody say, still walking, still walking, still walking in the name of the Lord. If you have a need today, we want to pray for you right now. Whatever the need is, I want you to come in Jesus' name. We will split that right off of you. I didn't say I would hit you in the head. I said, we will split that right off of you. So if you have a need today, we want to pray for you. Does anybody have a need? Need to agree over something? Whatever you need to pray for, we'll believe God. Is there one? Praise God. Then everybody's ready. Hallelujah. Yes. Okay. Okay, say their names again. Doug Smith, October 7th. Doug and George. 
Okay. Amen. 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 Doug and George. Doug and George. Father, we pray right now for Doug and George. We just ask you to cover them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We speak your word over them. We ask, oh God, that you, Father, will enshroud them in your glorious presence and power. Lord, we ask God in heaven and thank you right now. We speak Psalm 91 over them. We speak Psalm 107 over them. We speak, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Psalm 37, over them. We speak the word of God. And Father, we thank you that no weapon that is formed against them shall prosper. Father, that you will carry them safely to their destination and bring them safely back home without harm, without harm. Father God, but kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, delivered from darkness, Lord God. And we thank you for that today for them. In Jesus' name. Yes, sir. rise up in me. A door never closes without God opening the next one. God doesn't necessarily show us what that next door is going to have or what, what's going to be behind it, but I did hear this. I heard this rise up in my spirit that God says that things are going to be, be things are going to double where that's concerned. So he's talking about that ministry evidently. So there's going to be a doubling, a doubling that takes forth the door that you walk through, the door that you enter through in, by faith in coming because God says nobody can shut you up and nobody can shut you down. He's going to bring you into an abundant place in Jesus' name. He already has every need supplied, every need met, every, every question answered in the name of Jesus. So, Father, right now we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, that God, that you go with Bailey, before Bailey, behind Bailey. And Father God, that you make those crooked places straight. You exalt every valley. You bring every mountain low. God, you turn it around for him. And we thank you, Lord, that you open the door. You make the way where there is no way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Amen. All right. Perry Stone, 28th and 29th, 7 o'clock Saturday night, 10.30 Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday evening. Be here early in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he turn his face toward you, lift his countenance to you, be gracious to you, and grant you peace. In Jesus' name. And pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray over them in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you Tuesday night prayer meeting.